coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, here's to a most incredible week to all of our listeners. Thank you for sending us all of your awesome messages. It's really great fun for us to read. Today, we'll be leaping into a life with our guest author, Kimberly Braun, who exposes and and explores life with its many riches in her recent book, Love Calls, Insights of a Former Carmelite Nun. Yep, you heard that right. Her book airs the veil of richness she experienced of self and spirit as she lived in silence as a Carmelite nun. Paula, I wonder if she had a pen or pencil busy within the walls of silence. I can hardly wait to check this out. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Taz, I wonder what it was like for the first two or three months within the walls of silence. And I wonder how it was to uh, go out into a different world. Kimberly Braun's book is the first of a trilogy that immerses you in formative childhood moments and early mystical experiences in Cincinnati that inspired her to plunge into the adventure of a spiritual path. And it shares what it was like for her going through the doors and into the hidden life in a Carmelite monastery at the age of 24. Mm. Kimberly Braun, we are really looking forward to taking a journey with you and you sharing everything that's uh, that you've done in the past and what you're doing now. Welcome to our show. Uh, thank you. It's great to be with you both. Thank you so much. Well, you know, we really look forward to hearing just what the trigger point was that tickled your heart, your deepest thoughts and senses <laughs> for this journey of silence. My goodness. It is so true. And it did, I have always found that silence is this this matrix of experiencing unconditional love and the spark um for me it was a fire uh, arising from within my being and it happened over and over again in silence from early childhood on up to a climactic few years in my late teens so silence i find is replete with sound and communication even though Oftentimes, we as human beings are afraid of silence and what we might find. Were you I was read somewhere that when you were a child, you would go into the silence, you would go out into nature, and you found it there. 
So I can yeah, I relate to that are... because I Yes, go ahead. So I re- I relate to that because I did that as a child. And we lose mm-hmm. it when we become an adult. Yes, I I um I think that that's so since I've been out of the monastery working with others uh to present that spirit within for the past 14 years my unilateral belief is that as children we really do find ourselves absorbed into this oneness and source and life force and it is just our cultural conditioning and stresses and our particular paths um, that can let us forget some of that richness. And fortunate for me, when I was little, I not only had the experiences, but I was incredibly intellectually curious about them. They intrigued me. And so instead of forgetting them, I honed all my energy into them and realized that that's where, that's that's life, that that's where real life is unfolding. So that for me was the the foundation from which all my contemplative leanings have come. So your quiet time within those walls of silence, that was, wow, that was just magnification of what you had already experienced. And to go deeper must have really been, uh, I, you know, I can't, I can't imagine because I haven't done it, but did you actually write during that period of time at all? No, we weren't encouraged to write, uh, and the life was incredibly full, uh, and you're so right, I can feel the heart of, <laughs> of your reflection. Uh, it is true. I was. I felt that I was being pursued by a divine lover in my late teens, and I was experiencing a lot of extraordinary phenomena in solitude and silence and from that place I just had to be with the beloved it was really simple it wasn't seeking something to answer questions it was already feeling fulfilled and just wanting more people always thought I was going into sacrifice to get somewhere or they had all these ways of looking at it and I was like are you kidding I said I'm moving into the fullness of life for me, and uh, I'm, I'm actually wanting it all. I'm not letting go. I, there was letting go and and um, loss of contact with family and friends in a normal way, but it was really moving into a fullness, and the setup of this monastery was so rooted in chant and meditation and silence, and the the, the collective community was so strong in believing in this presence of spirit and all that it set me up to really unpack that in the silence, to really let that be my entire absorption. And uh, I loved, it was like stepping into a magical or a symbolic part of reality that can be so for all of us in whatever lifestyle we're in, uh, but was in a heightened way as a nun in the monastery. You know, this is interesting because when somebody has a particular gift and they get all absorbed into it and they feel like the time passes so quickly and um, they they don't eat, they don't whatever, you know, they, they are completely in a heaven all by themselves. 
And it sounds a bit like this. It's so much like that. And I think that that, for me, is the operative principle, is when we step into our flow, which is really the movement of spirit within, when we step into that, it's very unique for all of us. The yeses that we say show up uniquely, but universally, we're all the same, and it's just a matter of stepping into that flow, the surrender into the unknown, the mystery of our, our lives as a dance in and with spirit. And yes, for me, it was in the silence, and that's primarily, I think my gift is in the world today, is helping people recognize that there's a there's a fullness to be had in silence. Now, when you were in your second, um, when you, I think when I'm trying to think of what state you went to, you became um, actually a contractor um, with building this great big huge complex for the community, and I was just amazed that you you were able to do that. But in being involved in that, is that is that what triggered you to go to the outside? Well. Uh, I think all of our life circumstances lead us to the next step. I know that sounds very amorphous as a concrete answer, but I think everything all along our path is always formative in the new door we walk through. So in that way, absolutely. Um, As for it being a particular insight related to that that led me, um, no, I wouldn't say that it was directly that way, but I think it was hugely influential unconsciously, not consciously, um, what had happened is I was in solemn vows and I had been asked to join a community that was still forming itself in Texas. I was in North Dakota and I thought I'd be there for the rest of my life. And they just needed some young sisters to bolster the ranks. And I went down with the pure intention of just being anonymous, just another sister living in silence. And I was very zealous. Um, for this silence and after about a year and a half I had kind of been a little bit of a right hand to the leader of the community just by virtue of some of my own skill set it was more of a default than you know an active choice and as that happened um, I had a personal inspiration which I share in my TED talk that was this hungering for more silence and the and an answer coming forward saying build the permanent monastery but i had no idea when that inspiration came that that meant literally build the permanent monastery like i just <laughs> thought that was the inspiration that the rest of our community would feel and it was just time for it to happen not that i would be <laughs> so it was it it was one of those cosmic setups you know we find we we say yes to something it's right we surrender into it but we're clueless as to what that really means and I had no idea but I found that um, being the general contractor and doing shop drawings and organizing crews and managing and all that I needed was just being downloaded into me and I started when I was 29 and we had no money and I had no experience. It wasn't an educated choice for me to step into that role. It was simply one of these spirit-driven, you're meant to do it. And 
for me, that's a symbol of what we're all called to, that when we say yes and we step with courage into the unknown, we have no idea what we are capable of. So I look at it a little more symbolically, even though practically the building is pretty fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And we completed it in three and a half years, and I ended for the community with no debt, which is just unbelievable with something like that. So. (laughs) um yeah i know when i read that i i just you know it just amazed me what an accomplishment it's like a lifetime accomplishment when you look at it just for what it is i'm like wow it's kind of like giving birth and now you're ready to be a grandma you know like (laughs) (laughs) that was quite a birth was it hard for you to say goodbye to the uh, to the sisters and your community? Yes and no. Uh, and I don't think I have fully, even though I've been out 14 years, I don't think I have fully grieved that shift. Uh, during the building project, there was a lot of, whenever something great happens on Earth, there inevitably a lot of light and a lot of darkness just show up. And there was a lot of things that happened in the local community that were kind of shaped my inner landscape. And when the inspiration came that led me to leave, I've always been so faithful to that inner movement that I couldn't have not left. Like my happiness is all in that alignment to spirit within So right when that came forward, all my happiness was there. And the leaving part was simply the the details. Uh, So in that way, it wasn't hard at all. I would have had pain had I tried to stay. It was so strong. But that being said, um, I was seen as someone losing my way and on a bad path. And in that way, it was very painful because I loved... I was especially close to some of the sisters who weren't in leadership and it wasn't really encouraged to stay in contact and continue a friendship. And I was held suspiciously because my path was unorthodox. I was leaving my vows. Um, And so I understand the theology 100%. uh, but But that was very sad for me was that, gosh, we still couldn't be friends. You know, I'm still going to be about the same thing in life. It would be lovely over the years to have support them and they support me just by being friends. So that in that way, that was hard. And the other part that was hard is the life is so rich. It's real. It's it, I I would be hard pressed to find something like that um, anywhere else. It was it was the rhythm, the depth, the simplicity. Uh, society just doesn't carry that type of uh, simplicity and uh, spiritual richness um, in its everyday life with ease. And that part I really, really miss. You know, I was thinking that maybe others watching you make this um, furthering step, it Within themselves, it might have given them also 
capability of allowing their mind to grow and stretch in areas that they had never thought about growing and stretching. Yeah, I think that when that's true. When one human being acts in truth, then it affects the world. I think that's yeah. the greatest service that we can offer is to be true and authentic. And just by virtue of that, we don't even have to do anything or say anything about it. That very action kind of ripples out to the rest of the world in ways we just have no idea of. And I love that thought because I think a majority of human beings are living incredibly authentic lives, making choices that take courage and may feel alone at times. And to remember that they're affecting good in this way of being leaven for goodness in the world, uh, that's mm-hmm. very consoling to me. Yeah, nurturing. Nurturing. Um, I, I think somewhere you have nurturing skills to hear the language of the heart. So it's like in order to uh, maybe hear, hear their heart even deeper, you had this gift of being able to do this. And this allows others to to maybe uh, go out and touch that area that they might not have ever done without you being there to just to trigger some of those thought processes. I think it's just beautiful. It really is. Thank you. What greater honor can we have than to stand present to the movement of spirit in another human being? And certainly um, I get to do that now as my main work quote unquote if you want to call it work. <laughs> I walk did away you, so inspired. <laughs> did you start immediately work doing your work after you left the the uh, Camelite community? Did you start Camelite. working with the Yes. What I started doing right away was I, I I had I had graciously been given a scholarship to do my seminary training. So I spent three years. My my desire was to fashion a program where I could uh, learn the language of the heart, as you put it, uh, study psycho-spiritual development, um, explore the playground of mysticism and life and spirit. And so my seminary training is devoted to that, understanding the adult spiritual journey and I'm trained in spiritual direction. So I spent a lot of time because I knew that my language around all this was my language, and I wanted to learn to be able to hear other people's languages. Uh, So after that three years, then yes, I did step into uh, working with people in a lot of ways. It started out as ministry staff, and then in 2007, I just started my own company so that I could do retreats and sessions and, and just devote just to the juicy part of of <laughs> that work. <laughs> this is almost like developing a psychic heart, you know what I mean? It's like literally being in the moment, you know, stepping stepping and enjoying the moments. I like the thought of enjoying each moment, each second. I mean it's like um surrendering. Uh you know uh, uh, being able to um, enjoy that juiciness. Yeah, so, so much. Yeah. What inspired yeah. you to write your book? 
Well, uh, a couple things. First of all, I always knew I would write it, especially because uh, communication seems to be one of my life gifts. Uh, uh, My words have always been something that seemed to be of service. And I always had this feeling I would, I love to write and that it just made sense. And plus, everywhere I go, people are like, why'd you enter the monastery? Why'd you leave the monastery? You know, I I always get uh, pegged with all these questions. And I thought, well, you know, that just begs a book to immerse people in the process of that. You know, it's not just a, a simple decision. We we move through our lives, and I wanted to flesh some of that movement out. Um, the other reason, and as you mentioned, I, I have three books, and they're all written. Just two are in queue. They're not out yet. I knew I was meant to write about that monastery project in Texas. I'm the only memory keeper of it. The community was not set up to keep good record of the magnificence of how people gave and what happened. It's all in my head and heart. And at a certain point, I was like, if I don't start writing, I'm actually going to forget all of this. And so I knew I wanted to write as a way of thanking spirit and thanking every person that was involved in that project. So books two and three go into that, not as a, a cursory thank you, but more like the 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 way it swelled, the way the project swelled with involvement and movement and enthusiasm. And I name people wherever I can remember, I name them. So (laughs) That's interesting. You know, it's almost like this light that you absorbed within you had to be given out beyond the walls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it just kind of like magnetized to the books because that was the only way. And and teaching, you know, being with you, I suspect it's the same, you know, the gathering of of the light and, and the memories and the cells of, of of your body that carry this this energy, this this language that's maybe not heard of anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have two. You have two websites. I've noticed um, KimberlyBraun.com, but you also have a website called EssenceMeditation.net. So you teach essence meditation. Could you speak a little bit about that? Oh, I would love to. So while, and I, I'm sure that you all are the same. Uh, My toolbox for working with people continues to grow and is very large. Uh, However, one of the consistent methods that I use with everyone is an ability to increase their quality of presence day in and day out and an ability to, as I mentioned, truly be still. Uh, I hadn't realized it, but I was teaching a lot of meditation classes, which was natural, And people were finding great personal success, success being an ability to meditate on their own with greater consistency and and benefit. And I hadn't realized it, but I actually had a technique. And I was doing it for years. And then I realized, wow, I've actually got my own technique. 
And it allows me to pull the essence of many different traditions of meditation, contemplation, and centering and incorporate them into my three-point process. And essence meditation is simply that three-point process and not as a surprise, it's based on ritual. And I hadn't even realized it, but it is a the first step is a separation. It's a stepping away from what either our normal rhythm is in that moment or even our normal absorption into thought. And there's techniques I use of to separate, to prepare the space, the inward space. Step two is simply the type of meditation. And I plug in, I help people find what works for them. So it could be anything from color to mantra to breath to heartbeat to vipassana to... And there is where tremendous flexibility comes in and spiritual direction so that uh, we can identify what, what's really effective for the personality of the person. And then the last is the reaggregation, which is integrating that quality because meditation opens us to new neural pathways being formed, to uh, brain waves. Uh, that are beyond boundaries. Uh, it expands us beyond our physical body to a, to a greater sense of being. And when we're there, uh, we want to carry and integrate that part of ourselves into our everyday life, which takes the alpha and beta brain waves, uh, which takes operating in society's structures. And so essence meditation does that. It is a process of letting go in order to step into our greatness and emerge with a greater integration into our chosen daily lifestyles. And uh, so that's what that, that website kind of showcases whatever classes or retreats are going on and has some videos to explain the process. And I have some CDs and, and, and all of that. It's a growing website, uh, but it gives name to what I hadn't named for a long time. Hmm. Now you you actually have some ongoing meditation classes through September, uh, which is really lovely. Um, yes. Um, Normally I do. They actually got suspended. If if they show up on that website, I have to call my web designer because I'm on the book tour and I'll be I on know. the road at the end of October. <laughs> so. I know we have to tell people. Where are you going to be in the next few weeks so that if they're in your neighborhood, they'll come and see you um, yes. on your book I, tour? You're going to be in the Royal Grandy Friday? Is that I am, I'm looking at your Yes, because you, um, you're in California, yes? Yes. I, yes. Just, mm-hmm. I just came into California yesterday, so I will be in California most of September except for a quick flight to Seattle to be at Unity Church there. Um, but down in California, I will on this Friday at Aurora Grande at Firefly Haven. Then I will be at a large, it's a house gathering, but this woman has a beautiful uh, radio show and puts on a subtle energy retreat each year. And so similar to you, she's really contributing to uh, connecting people who are on spiritual paths. That'll be on the 9th. Then I'll be in L.A. the 19th and the 20th, and I will be in uh, speaking at the Subtle Energy Retreat at the end of September. 
so I'll I'll be in California for a bit and I'm I'm also happy to fit in another booking if someone can call me in that time I'll speak anywhere for free. You have a phone number you want to give that out? Yes, you- my phone number is 941-284-3036. Okay, and that is kimberlybron.com. Uh, Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y, and Braun is B-R-A-U-N.com. Yes. And uh, yeah. her new book, Love Calls. <laughs> so you can get the, your book on probably on Amazon. And, then and you on, can buy it pretty much anywhere. The best way is just to go to my website and click through from there. Uh, but you can do Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can do Nook or Kindle, you can do print, whatever you like. And you you work with individuals, I see. I do, but, yes. And even when I'm on the road, I, I have a few people I Skype with, so I'm happy to do that if it fits in this schedule. So when you wa- uh, work with individuals, um, how does that work? Do you help them find their soul essence, or is that what type of work you're doing? Yes. It is, it's wide and varied since my minister training allows me to be uh, something of a spiritual companion to those I work with. And the focus pretty universally is uh, either living a very a higher quality of presence in their lives or working through trauma or simply working to act upon what feels like a spirit nudging. You know, oftentimes we have that kind of little niggling within of, oh, there's something something else going on here. And, and cultivating the ability to hear that movement within and then also to be able to move with it and act on it. So um, I use a wide variety of tools. I'm a Reiki master. I do a lot of meditation coaching. Uh, and then with meditation, parts of ourselves that are hidden from our awareness usually come forward, I help people process that so that it can be understood and dissolved. And if my memory serves me right, um, you have um, yes, to find the yes. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Is that enough? <laughs> um, it, it came forward because when I did the TED Talk, it was about silence shouting yes. I, that was just the title that the coordinators liked for the TED Talk. And it it plays upon the notion that all existence because of its goodness, because it is, it is a yes. There is a movement of expansion and expression and creativity just by nature of what existence is. So when we live our yes, we are in our alignment with who we are meant to be. And living that yes is hearing the call of love or spirit within and acting on it. Uh, One thing I stress, uh, because there's a lot of action steps out there which are fantastic, and in Western culture, we tend to like to know what to do, what to do next. Give me a game plan, give me the steps, what am 
my head to. And in the my experience of true alignment with our own flow, it is always a response and never an initiation. That the initiation is already happening within us. The call is already happening always within us. And it's something greater than ourselves. And so my focus is tapping into that call. And from there, the fruit is our action. The fruit is our choice. The fruit is our awareness. The fruit is our growing life of compassion uh, versus an action step leading us to something. You have um, you have a comment that I... I don't know whether it's your um, quote or someone else's, but it says, enjoy the little things in life because one day you will look back and realize they were the big things. Oh, isn't that great? I, it's, I think it's anonymous. It's not my quote, but I think it's a wonderful quote. Yes. It is. <laughs> oh, I think it's true. I was just listening to uh, a CD set called Destiny of Souls by uh, Dr. Michael Newton, which is fantastic. It talks about uh, his work with hypnosis about the soul journey in between lives. And in some of that, the souls, as in their regression with hypnosis, were, were finding that their guides that they were consulting with between their physical lives, they would bring up different instances that happened in their life for review and reflection. And sometimes the souls were really surprised at what moments were brought forward. Like, oh, I didn't think that was very important. <laughs> <laughs> only to find that moment of true presence that seemed so small was really magnificent. (laughs) Now, when you wrote your book, Love Calls, in that book, why don't you give us some highlights that you didn't expect expect to take place when you wrote that book? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... I would say that some of the formative moments, which I, I counted so many leading up to the monastery, I, I, I remember, I have, a, I have a memory like a blessing and a curse. <laughs> and I wrote much more from those formative moments than I had originally intended. I had intended to write maybe something of a small chapter and then launch right into monastic life. And there were so many powerful moments that had to be written. Um, One was an instant when I was in junior high school when we had visited one of my great-grandparents who had entered a nursing home. And I was blessed to know my great-grandparents as living normal, active lives. And here they were getting older and needed care. And I was appalled by the level of care in the nursing home, by I was scared by the uh, ways my great-grandparents had moved from being active into needing almost total care. It scared me as a junior high schooler. And I was also scared because I didn't like the surroundings. I didn't like the smells and the fluorescent lights and the linoleum floors. And it 
it it it it, it shook me to see that our society would have end of life care be so minimal and in that being shaken i couldn't stay and i went out to the foyer where i sat on a couch and realized i had one of these unitive experiences uh, i realized that i was in fear and that fear was not reality and that if i was ever scared ever it was because i was not in re- reality and i had the inner insight to know that if i plunged myself in the center of the fear in the center of the setup uh it would show itself and that's what i did i actually started working in a nursing home in 10th grade and my fear was dissolved and the wisdom of all of the people that i was working with came forward uh that i didn't expect to write in great detail because it was a junior high school event and i thought i could capture that in a sentence or two but i find in my work today that it is love that casts out fear in our lives it the process of spiritual growth is not more pain more gain it is allowing ourselves to be loved in such a way that our fears are resolved and dissolved and that moment in junior high school taught me that uh so i hadn't expected to write at length about that but it's a solid piece of then how i embrace monastic life because in silence all of what you are comes forward i mean you have nowhere to go if you're attached to what people think of you or if you have an old message that you play in your head that that limits you uh all of that limiting part of ourselves it comes forward in silence and to have the perspective that fear is not reality is incredibly liberating <laughs> wow wow there this is. is the big thing this is the big thing <laughs> do you find that is, is a do you find that to be a very important thing to teach to others i mean does that come up a lot it does and not so much from mental perspective so we're talking about it right now and i know that you're inviting me to share and i'm sharing my thoughts about it uh what i wish to do in all of my work is to be the very container in which people can experience that their fears are not reality and in that compassionate space open to the reality that lies below it or within it And yes, I do think that that is one of the principal lessons as human beings uh that we're still unraveling. We still we still give a lot of rationalization to our fears as though they're keeping us safe. Well, I see that this is very important especially at this moment in time because yeah. we're being we're being rattled. I mean, people are losing money, things are starting to come down. So that's all around fear. And so you coming to teach about this is at this time is this like perfect, so perfect. Yeah, huge. Yeah, thank you. This is really yeah. huge. It is huge, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, people might think this is just a little thing, but it's not. When they look back, you'll realize it's the big thing in life that 
that uh, creates those huge mountains that if puts people in fear to walk walk over, and um, to be able to you know dig to a deeper level and appreciate that moment, and to be able to have the experience of having a release is is really huge. I yes, I'm with you. There's a. Uh... Uh, fortunately, I'm I'm generally playful by nature, which which also has served me well. Like in the monastery, you can take yourself really. Well, in life, we take ourselves really seriously, don't we? <laughs> like <laughs> even when we embrace our spiritual path, we're like so serious about it. And I have one thing that I wrote in the book that I I really actually love. That you know, it's it's a conundrum, isn't it? Because in one way, our spiritual path is the most important thing in our lives, so we should take it very seriously. And in another way, how can we take ourselves seriously in an area that we know so little? <laughs> it's so far beyond us. So, so it's always this uh, remembering that we're just learners, that, that we're asking for the message of uh, our being to be revealed to us and giving the breathing space to let it reveal itself to us without grasping or clamping down or or reaching for or even avoiding, but letting it be revealed because ultimately that revelation is incredibly consoling. Uh, we, we think it won't be. We think it's going to be a judgment that's going to be hard to endure, and we're pleasantly surprised to find that the revealing of who we are is very life-giving and consoling and all about beauty. Uh, and I, I even love, I'm not Christian really anymore, but I'm very Christ-centered. And I i even love the um, the words when Jesus, our purported, when he stepped forward into an active ministry after a lot of inner preparation, he said, you know, I have, I've come to speak a word of comfort I thought, oh, what if we could speak a word of comfort, truly a word that that penetrates uh, to each other's hearts and to our own hearts. Um, great, great illumination can be had there. Well, te- Jesus was teaching, and his teachings exactly what you're teaching. Do you find that to be true? I'm I'm living more and more into that. I do. If I can live an authentic day, I'm very happy, and I think that that's most authentic, that that our words would truly speak from the heart and to the heart. In your um, speaking engagements, uh, what do you speak about? I mean, what is the main subject of what we're talking about today? I know, yes. It's such a wonderful question. Because it's my life's work, I can really play with any theme that's resonant to the people who are ha- bringing me in. So for some, it's this notion of compassion. For others, it's this power of yes. For the, you know, it's like wide and varied. But I would say that at the heart of it is the operating principle that in the center of our being, spirit is there in all fullness. 
and our life fully lived is one in alignment with source or life force or spirit. So that that's there as kind of the penetrating part. But with that, and, and I love theology, and that with that I can really dance with all the different languages and themes. Um, so it depends on the audience. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because oh. everyone has a different question pulsing in their hearts. Yeah, that's fabulous. You know, this is like lifting the power of laughter into our lives. Allow it, being able to relax and 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 you have that comfort. You know, you bring that comfort of 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 uh, words to people, and they begin to uh, relax their mind and relax the way they think and holding on to things not being able to detach. Um, this is really powerful. It's such an honor to have you with us. Oh, it's such a blessing to be with both of you. <laughs> well, Kim, Kimberly, you, you know what came to my mind? I don't know if you said this or it just came into my mind, but um, to think of yourself as a gift to others. I don't know if you said that exactly. But I think how wonderful to think that way, because then you can be um, genuine, because you know you're a gift to others. I don't know if you said that, but it just came into my head while we were talking. Well, I just love that notion. Isn't that fantastic? If, If each of us realized we truly are a gift, we live into that greatness. We 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 have the self-esteem to live it with honesty and freedom. I I love that. I love that notion. I think that I I think I feel that, um, but I I didn't say those words exactly. (laughs) But but it's a great, it's a great call to action, isn't it? (laughs) It is. (laughs) Oh yeah, because then you wouldn't be afraid to speak in front of others. Uh, I mean, this would give you completely freedom. It's true. You know, it's funny because I, I feel really at home speaking, even to very large groups. And people will always ask me, "Are you nervous?" And uh, I never get nervous, but it's not because I have this confidence of, "Oh, I'm a good speaker." It, it's not a, a a puffing in any way. It's because every time I get in into a group, I feel everyone's heart. And how can you feel anything but being at home when you feel people's hearts? Uh, and so it makes conversation easy. And, and even if you're giving a keynote talk to 500 people or 1,000 people or 3,000 people, if you feel all their hearts, all you are is at home. And that's really how I feel. I think the monastery gave me a great opportunity to develop that awareness. And what a huge, huge blessing. Even when I did my TED Talk, I I did sweat, but I hadn't realized it, so I had to have been a bit nervous. But I didn't feel nervous at all. As soon as I sat down and I said, I'm like, I don't even know any of these people, and I, I feel all their hearts. Oh. So I thought that was that was a wonderful experience. <laughs> How did you come up with the title of your book, Love Calls? 
Well, it it is what spoke to me as the 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 main thrust of the book. Uh I I there is a workshop that I will teach from time to time that plays out this notion of living your yes. And as I mentioned before, step 1 is experiencing inspiration. And I found that in wishing people to experience what my journey was, every step of the way it has been the experience of love calling me, arising from within me. Not love calling me by something outside me, but arising from within. And so in the book, if you read it, you'll find, hopefully, that it will immerse you in your own storyline of how love is calling you from within and that it's all really an interior process even if we make choices that are exterior. So it was the natural, and and love is so much my language. I'm such an archetype, a lover archetype. (laughs) Set me on fire with love and I'll throw myself in that direction. I'm very... (laughs) So (laughs) for better or worse, (laughs) so... (laughs) Uh, it, it just it came forward as the, the salient note of my life. <laughs> well, people can actually listen to your TED Talks on your website. That's great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And a few so other videos. I, oh, please, go ahead. You were going to say the website. I was going to tell everybody that's listening, that's Kimberly Braun. That's B-R-A-U-N dot com. So she has all these wonderful things on her website. Plus, you've got the calendar of where you're going to be uh, doing your book tour. Yes. And a lot of information. Uh-huh. Thank you. And easy ways to get a hold, and we can connect through social media. I'm very active on social media, and that's a great way to build a friendship or start a friendship. Uh, so I'm very accessible so you have a Facebook. I do. I have a Facebook personal and business page. And again, if you just type in my name, they'll come up. But the easiest way is just to go to my website. And at the bottom of every page are all the social media links. Uh, we do it all. We do LinkedIn, Google+, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So, <laughs> You're hitting them all. I know. Oh, my word. I know. I Thank goodness I have a little help with that because it's, as much as I'd like to say I'm interested in it at all, it's a little, it's a lot over and above just being with people. Yeah, that <laughs> is. Well, this sounds like a retreat that you want to bring to your life as a treat. <laughs> um, and put it in your pocket and keep it there so that it kind of bubbles up and Gives you some great, great joy, and you really do. I have a personal question, Kimberly. How long do you meditate each day? Well, meditation has shifted for me because I I work and lead so much meditation now, and I spend a, a good three hours in silence and solitude. But my practice has shifted. Uh, it's shifted to. Um, whatever is a practice of awareness. So when I work with people, I start them on 10 minutes a day of meditation. I know that sounds so small. 
and it grows usually to 30 minutes to an hour. I can meditate easily for three hours at a time, uh, but I, I don't have a formal practice anymore because I feel myself in the matrix of that silence almost consistently. Yeah. And the amount of solitude I spend always works out every day. So I don't look at my day and say, okay, where am I going to have some time? My life just simply is in that space most of the You're time. You're in the moment. Yes. So that's yeah. good for beginners to know that the 10 minutes is fine at the beginning. Yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah, and... What I find is as people engage the process, they come home, and when you come home, there's a feeling of familiarity and desire, and it's from that place that I help people move into longer periods of silence. So less like a rigor and more like a banquet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we thank you so much for being with us today. Is there any last um, message you want to say to our listening audience? Uh, Thank you so much uh, for listening. Thank you for bringing uh, your own selves uh, forward to be part of this program, which is all about uh, empowerment and inspiration. Thank you for being in our world and uh, check out my website, KimberlyBraun.com, and let's become friends. Well, we thank you for being in our life, Kimberly. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, taking time to be with I'm mm-hmm. Me too. I'm glad this all worked out. <laughs> Here's to a great journey for, for you. And we look forward to uh, having more conversations with you in the future. I would love that. So thank you so much, and and we tell you to have a great day in California. <laughs> oh, yay, you too. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.